Today, we'll talk about the guards getting us ready for our player capsule soon to follow. LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Isaiah Thomas. How did they all play this season? All of that today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free, we're available on all platforms. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter. Walker Mail, Doug Branson, LOH, and the show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. We'll talk about the guards today, Doug, because that was probably the best part of this team outside of Miles Bridges, who did not finish within the top five in the most improved player balloting just yesterday. Those results came out nowhere even close to winning that after we kind of thought he would be at least a finalist in the top three at one point in time. We'll get to that later on in the show as well. But today it's all about the guards. That's where your superstar resides in LaMelo Ball. That's where another expensive player resides in Terry Rozier, who helped you scoring-wise a lot this season as well. So what were some of your main takeaways watching the backcourt this season and how well they played compared to maybe some of the other players on the roster? Yeah, I think a couple of the main storylines, you already hit on one, which is that it really powered a lot of their um, offense, especially from uh, the perspective of three-point shooting. I mean, you got a ton of that from LaMelo Ball. He had a little dip in the middle of the season, but Terry Rozier was pretty consistent throughout with his three-point shooting, and and that really made a big difference in their offense when they were when they were best. Uh, they were shooting the basketball really well. One deficiency that they had at the guard position was definitely the backup point guard. Uh, Ish Smith had a couple of good games early on, but was generally what you would have expected out of Ish Smith. Fell out of the rotation. Um, was not giving you giving you a ton of energy. I mean, there was a point where the starters weren't playing well and Borrego was experimenting with different bench lineups to kind of give this offense some punch in the early going, and Ish Smith was a big part of that. But eventually, uh, Ish Smith's weaknesses overwhelmed his strengths, and uh, the reason they brought him in was, you know, sort of veteran uh, ball-handling savvy to put behind LaMelo Ball, uh, but he, di- he does get traded and they go for a while with Terry Rozier at backup point guard and, and you know, just sort of flexing those minutes there and finally settling on signing Isaiah Thomas to a 10-day. But they never really figured out the backup point guard position. And I think on a team with two guards in LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier that have some defensive issues, that you would want someone in the backup point guard position that had a little bit more of a defensive mindset than or defensive skill set, I should say, than Ishmith and Isaiah Thomas. So hopefully they address that in the offseason. Yeah. So if we start with LaMelo Ball, the superstar of it all and how he played, took a huge step up, clearly is the franchise. It's what another backcourt member, Isaiah Thomas, said when he was saying, the reason I embraced that mentorship role with LaMelo, it was to make sure he knows he is the franchise. He needs to know how special he was. And really, after that Hornets real access clip was going about of Isaiah talking with LaMelo after that Pelicans win, LaMelo played 
an amazing brand of basketball to finish out the regular season to get into the play-in game. A lot of people have an awful game, LaMelo included, just did not play very well at all. And that's a sour taste, right? Because LaMelo, you don't want to have him play that way in the biggest game of the season. Hopefully he bounces back and you have to imagine he's going to next year. But overall, a huge positive LaMelo. I was looking at some of the stats with Terry, and we'll dive into that more when we do the individual player capsule stuff. But Terry Rogier's stats, kind of remarkably the same, identical to what they were last year. Like every, you know, some of the counting stats, they took just a little bit of a dip, you know, not much to matter. It was pretty much the same, but a little bit worse three-point percentage, a little bit worse field goal percentage, true shooting, a little bit worse. But there were some areas that you dig deeper, maybe a little bit better. They were pretty much the same. The scale was kind of balanced when you compared last year to this year. And you talk about the backup point guard spot, Doug. Ish Smith was playing awesome at the beginning of the season. He comes in and helps them in the third quarter, fourth quarter game. Second half was really good the first five, scoring double digits. And then Ish Smith came back to reality, what you might expect of him as a vet man type of guy that's bounced around and played for a league record amount of teams. Isaiah Thomas comes in. He really helps you in some spots, but overall, sometimes a liability defensively couldn't uh, hang with them too much. The only other player we don't really mention, Cody Martin. And Cody Martin yeah. showed as much improvement as anybody who could also play in that backcourt. Defensively, you're proud of him. Offensively, the dude improved his shooting an immense amount, which is exactly what needed uh, to happen for him in order to be a accountable rotation player. So that's kind of what I look at when you're just yeah. kind of dissecting the backcourt in full. And and the reason I think I don't mention Cody Martin is because of his defensive versatility, I all, I just think of him almost as a small forward. Like, And I know that the positions are fluid, but like a wing defender more than someone that's in that sort of combo or point guard role. And he's he wasn't necessarily handling the ball a lot. He was being distributed too when he was knocking down all of those three-pointers um, in the first half of the season. But going back to what you said, yeah, just to add a little context, Ish Smith finished his run with the Hornets with a points-per-shot attempt, according to Cleaning the Glass, of 89.8. That would be uh, last on the team by a mile. It would be 10th percentile, meaning it's one of the worst points-per-shot attempt in the league. And that's what's crazy because I do – like, my memory is not that bad. I do remember – there were the Ishmith games where he almost seemed were for moments unstoppable. And yet, you know, if you just zoom out a little bit, it's like, oh boy, this is this is not very good. On the other hand, Isaiah Thomas, his points per shot attempt to end the year was 116.8. Uh that's that's higher than uh Cody Martin, or that's almost as high as Cody Martin. Uh, higher than LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier. Now, obviously, he wasn't getting as much usage. There's a lot of context that goes into that number. But that's a crazy high points per shot attempt. He was super efficient when he, when he shot the ball. And uh, he, the, the thing that I want to note there about the IT signing was that it was savvy on a number of levels. It didn't address the issue that they had, which was perimeter defense, uh, along with, obviously, they had defensive issues all over the court, especially at the center position, but they also had perimeter defense issues. IT wasn't helping with that, but you mentioned the mentorship. That was huge. But also, if you remember, during that losing streak in February, their offense took a dip too. That's when it got real bad, when they couldn't play defense or offense, and they needed a little bit of a punch. Montrez Harrell helped that, but also IT's addition 
gave them a little bit more offensive firepower, especially on that bench unit. And boy, did they need that bench unit this year. My favorite thing about Ish Smith, by the way, is when we kept joking about the fact that we weren't going to give him a farewell episode and the comments were angry at us. Like, why are we caring so much about Ish Smith? We don't need a farewell episode. People thought we were going to go three segments and actually try to do that farewell. Well, you know, I can't even blame him. That is something we might do, especially in the offseason. He won. I mean, I don't know what his actual like wins added uh, would be, but. I would put it at, I would say if I had to guess, there were three games at least that the Hornets would have dropped an L on. It was, he actually staved off the downfall against the Lakers. It was him and Russell Westbrook battling it out. It was Ish Smith actually helping them win that game against the Lakers. And then that's when the downfall happened for the Charlotte Hornets. Last thing I want to mention, just looking at this backcourt group, how, how good you feel about them for the future. This group is kind of established. It's it's really interesting because you have your superstar there. You have Terry Rozier, who could be traded to save some money, but also is a leader of this team. Offensively, helps you a ton, is a really good shooter, which is extremely valuable in this Brought league. guys together in the offseason. Yeah, and so still it, you have to weigh all of those factors when trying to decide if you want to save some money, trying to improve elsewhere, wanting to trade them. You also have Cody Martin, who's a free agent. Don't know what you're going to do with Cody. And you have James Booknight, who is another guard on this team, who, yeah. oh, yeah, Oops. didn't play really a lick. And when he did, there were some Ooh, great moments. And then some other times he, he didn't play. And James Booknight was obviously frustrated. You talk about the most interesting storylines. Like, yeah, on some sub level, the front court obviously has some things to, worth talking about. But the backcourt, like you, you've got some, I, I think your main storylines are there within the backcourt as far as what you want to do. Yeah, two final things that that people should remember about this particular backcourt and, and this offense uh, this season is that they dramatically upped the pace. This team finally became fast after wanting to be fast for a couple of seasons under Borrego and not being fast. LaMelo Ball Terry Rozier, Ish Smith was a part of that. Isaiah Thomas was a part of that. Cody Martin was a part of that. Pushing the basketball, they finally did that. And also moving the ball. I mean, this was one of the, you know, when it when it was humming, it was one of the most beautiful offenses I've seen in in Charlotte Hornets history when it was when it was grooving. So yeah, the, I think, and and even the thing is that that is one thing under Borrego that they've done really well the last two years. I mean, even last year, they were amazing at moving the basketball. This year, no different. They were awesome, but the pace was a lot faster. Doug, I do think that's probably the LaMelo effect, right? Like, I think that's just insert LaMelo. Instantly, you jump at least like 10 spots in pace. I don't know what the number was, but clearly they were a fast team. And And he probably wants to go faster. Like, I'm sure there was a little bit of trying to find that balance between how fast LaMelo wanted to go and 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 maintaining an offense that that was somewhat well, he told sane. us as much and that it, i think there was one of the one of the many write-ups that took place for him this year there was the one quote of out of 100 possessions i want to be in transition 100 percent of them uh, 100 out of 100 that's how Lamella so rocks. look so look i'm gonna throw i'm gonna throw something out there because this is not this is not a defensive-minded coach so this would not check that box but if you wanted to bring in a coach that has no, don't say it. playoff I experience, say. I know what you're going to say. That, that knows how to push the pace, that uh, probably is the perfect coach 
for LaMelo Ball, Don't it's going it. to be Michael D'Antoni. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. I knew Woo! you were going to say it. Tony oh, Macaroni, man. let's go. You're talking about being angry with the defense this year. Goodness gracious. I mean, next year we would we'll score 200 three. points a game. That is true. It would be fun. LaMelo and Mike D'Antoni, it would be fascinating. It would be a lot of fun. All right, let's transition to some other topics. Um, coming up on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, Doug is turning into an old man watching these NBA playoffs, and Miles Bridges does not finish in the top two, three, five, but he finishes seventh in most improved player of the year award voting. Really weird. We'll talk about all of that coming up, but not before we discuss prize picks. All right, NBA fans, I know you're looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA. If you are, you need to try the award winning app, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it. I know you will too because it's easy to use. You pick two to five players and over under on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, too, so you have time. It's that easy. It's safe, and it offers fast withdrawals. Plus, you can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. So what you need to do is you need to go to Prize Picks for a limited time. Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point but you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. You can sign up today and use code NBA, $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. Plenty more to come on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Doug is becoming the old man yelling at a cloud, telling people to get off his lawn, watching the NBA playoffs. I don't know why. I just know Doug is frustrated with watching this postseason. Why are you mad, Doug? Uh, I mean, first of all, the Brooklyn Nets. That's all you need to know. That's all I'm going to say. The Brooklyn Nets. They're turning me. You should into be an happy man. though, right? Are you are you not happy of their demise? Well, but they but their demise just made me upset all the way all the way through all four games. First of all, okay. wearing the throwback jerseys in Game Four, like come on, like don't wear throwback jerseys in the playoffs. This is really getting in my cross. And but <laughs> by the way, I don't like this. This is not. I I you know I want to stay young. I want to stay hip, forever young. Right. I'm not trying to turn into an old man. I feel like I feel like some of this player absence stuff, uh, especially with like Ben Simmons, is turning people into old people faster than they want to turn into old people. Um, but I, first of all, I want I want to get your thoughts on throwback jerseys in the playoffs for or against. Well, I, I don't mind throwback jerseys at all in the playoffs here here's the problem though here's where we can meet in the middle of the venn diagram doug maybe you don't wear the throwback jerseys in an elimination game fair enough (laughs) is that fair like i think what you can do is you can wear a throwback jersey game one to get everybody riled up for the playoffs i think that's actually cool not only i think i'm actually good for that you know you you add a little spice on it even game two that's fine but if you are down 3-0 or if you are in an elimination game, I think that's where you're like, all right, let's just go with the normal duds. Let's try to go out there and stave off elimination. The playoffs 
Walker, dear mm-hmm. boy, are about the present. Really, you know, man. <laughs> the present, as in the team you are currently playing for right now and representing with your jersey. And the future, as in in the future, we would like this jersey that we wear most of the time to mean championship. By wearing a throwback jersey in the playoffs, what you are essentially saying is, we used to be iconic. Hey, remember this? Remember this (laughs) look that you liked so much? Well, hey, enjoy it because you're not going to remember this jersey because we're not winning a championship. Unbelievable. For one, Get out of here. For one game. All right. What is the other thing that you're mad at, Doug? I just saw these. I mean, Ben Simmons, like, play. Like, yeah. get on the floor. Like, what are you doing? Like, I mean, come on. I just, I can't, I cannot believe this is still happening. The- um, And and I can't believe that this, uh, I can't believe that Philly lost to Toronto last night either. And that James Harden only took 11 shots. Uh-huh. What is, like, superstars, so, so many superstars in this league either don't want to get on the floor or when they get on the floor, are are not taking shots, are not being active. You had Kevin Durant not wanting the basketball the other night. He did play, I thought, more aggressively in that game four. But it's just unbelievable to me. It really makes me appreciate Jason Tatum, who did not play well against the Charlotte Hornets this season, but was just an absolute well, beast in that he, game four. He did when he went off for 44 against the Charlotte Hornets. That yeah, was well, I forgot about game. that yeah. game. I, you know, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I have a, well, number one, I have a baby. Number two, I probably just sort of mentally. But but there were other games where he just didn't show up. There were. There was the one game where the Hornets won and the Boston Celtics and Jason right. Tatum did That's not show up. He is about? having he is having the superstar turn though. Like Jason Tatum has looked amazing and defensively too. I think that's, what's most amazing is the fact that he's the first, he's the first person that we've ever really seen stop KD at that level. Like KD wasn't awful in this most recent game, but the other ones he was like, he wasn't performing up and it's the first time we had not seen him play very well in a series. You know, we had a little brawn against the Dallas Mavericks series. That was God awful for him. We haven't really had that from Kevin Durant. And look, Kevin Durant is past 30 by a few years. So maybe we're starting to see this father time thing. Maybe the injury effect is just delayed. I don't know how all of that is. What a tough season, too, in Brooklyn. Yeah. I mean, they, they've well, gone especially through a lot. for KD. This is the other thing, too. Like, I've heard a lot of people, Mike Greenberg is saying on Get Up or whatever is Radio Greeny. You know, he's saying this is going on Kevin Durant's permanent record. Stephen A. Smith is coming out and saying, I can no longer call Kevin Durant the best player in the world. Look, all that's fine, man. All I'm saying is how soon we forget, how soon we forget that KD last year, single-handedly, because James Harden was playing on one leg, and playoff Harden is already bad enough. You give him one leg, it's going to get worse. You don't give him Kyrie Irving. Joe Harris was god-awful last year. And Kevin Durant still almost beat the NBA champions then you throw this roster at him where he doesn't even get an able-bodied joe harris you don't get kyrie irving except for like half the games and then he has the gall the unmitigated gall according to stephen a smith to say we just needed time to gel together what (laughs) we're all trying to figure out who did this oh goodness gracious Um, yes he is wearing the oscar meyer costume asking we are all trying to figure out who did this What's what's brutal about the KD situation is that we know he cares. Like we know he cares what people think, especially mm-hmm. the talking heads. He can say he doesn't, but we know he does. And that's what's brutal about this. What's also brutal is that he chose this life. Like he chose Brooklyn. He chose 
this yeah. ordeal that he is currently in. It is it is um, Grecian in its tragedy, um, and I don't revel in it. I really I really hoped that that team would pull it together and 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 really present you know a, a challenge in the East, and you'd have a couple of big East teams battling. But so many of these teams in these playoffs so far are either succumbing to uh, injury to their big players or they're succumbing to these weird issues like like Brooklyn. Uh, but I would say on the Jason Tatum thing, I've said this a couple of times this season when the Hornets have gone up against a Kyrie when he went for uh, a ton of points and, and Jason Tatum when he went for the 40-burger. This is what a superstar looks like. So before we get ahead of ourselves with LaMelo Ball and like call him a superstar, let's remember that those moments – and they don't happen very – you don't get many opportunities, okay? That's the thing. You play 82 games in a regular season, but you only get a few opportunities in the playoffs to put up or shut up to become a superstar mm. or just a regular all-star. Because I think LaMelo Ball, without even trying, can be a regular all-star. O-L apostrophe star. Mm-hmm. But to become a superstar, you got to do what Jason Tatum does, which is turn around, guy in your shirt, knocking down – uh, you know, a, a mid-range jump shot when your team needed two points. Like that's the kind of thing that we've got to see out of Lamelo, and stopping the other, the, stopping KD on the other end. You know, that's the other thing. Like you have to develop that two-way game, I think, to become the top-level, you know, top-tier superstar. So let's 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 keep that bar high for Lamelo Ball. I think he can get there, but let's keep that bar high before declaring him, you know, superstar. That's all I'm asking. Okay, no, that's a good. Uh, that's a good declaration from you, Doug. Can I tell you what is most disappointing to me in the playoffs so far? Sure. What has become uh, that? Yeah, no, you seem interested. Um, what, what, what is is it's the latest development with Philadelphia? Joel Embiid getting injured. You know, I I talked about uh, Joel Embiid having the opportunity to kind of have his Giannis moment because Jason Tatum is having the star turn. Right, we are seeing him become okay. Yeah. He is a first team type of guy now the way he's performing it's it's amazing Joel's been there and we we've known that for maybe a couple seasons he's been solidly in the MVP race he might win it he might beat Nikola Jokic who knows but I thought especially after they get off to a 3-0 lead he hits the game winning three point uh the three-pointer against Toronto I thought Joel Embiid might have his Giannis moment where Milwaukee trying to break free from exiting the playoffs in the second round, you know, having their heartbreaks, Giannis needing to get past this playoff reputation where he couldn't score in the half court, where, you know, all of this stuff Giannis overcomes to win the championship last Mm -hmm. year. I mean, he rose within the basketball pantheon. If you look at Joel Embiid, I wanted him to have that this year. And it doesn't mean he can't, but now that he has this injury, now that you have the storylines of James Harden just being an all-time look, I've defended James Harden a million times throughout his career. We know the problems with him in the postseason. And and he Doc Rivers wanted. Doc Rivers, man. Like, are we really going to flirt with the chance of him blowing a 3-0 lead after he is the king of blowing 3-1 leads? As he I've graduated. Decided, I- I've decided that the Lakers are not going to the Lakers are not going to be a, a danger, a threat to steal the coach that the Charlotte Hornets want because I just think Doc Rivers is destined to coach the Lakers. <laughs> I think that's probably not a bad guess. I just don't want Joel Embiid to be hindered by this injury. I hope he can come back from it. All it is is pain, apparently, that it can't get worse. 
But All I just did, don't want that moment to be taken away. <laughs> that's <laughs> I know. That's like if you write today. the book, if you write the book on the process 76ers to present, that All would be the pain. title of the book. <laughs> All it is is pain. It can't get much worse. All it is is pain. It can't get much worse. All right. Uh, coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Oh, boy. I, I pulled the trigger on you a little bit. Yeah, I took, I'm sorry. That, that's a little I was, early. I was mid-laugh. You were. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online where the game starts we'll talk about miles bridges coming up and where he finished in the most improved player of the year voting next on the lockdown hornets podcast you are listening to the lockdown hornets podcast main character for american psycho was patrick bateman which really confused me i always thought that jason bateman was patrick bateman and that patrick bateman well, was jason bateman <laughs> It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. So as we talk about the front court coming up after we discuss the guards, we'll go with the LaMelo Ball player capsule, Terry Rozier, finish out some of the more important players in the backcourt. We'll move on to the forwards. And of course, Miles Bridges will be the highlight there because of the season he had. Averaging over 20 points per game, clearly improved his game. Uh, an unbelievable amount, to be honest with you. The thing that went down was shooting. That was a problem because he was shooting so well at the end of last season, filling in for an absent, once again, Gordon Hayward. But other than that, Miles uh, really took over this year. And we all thought at the midway point of the season, certainly through the first month, you know, I mean, he won the MIP. He was the MVP for like the first 10 games of the year, right? Now, there's 72 uh, other games to play, so he wasn't able to hold on to that one. But most improved player of the year, I thought he would finish top five. And then it was John Morant continuing MVP type season. Darius Garland was was amazing, too. DeJounte Murray got an all-star bid. Desmond Bain was awesome. He was probably at least flirting with an all-star bid like Miles Bridges. And, Doug, at the end of the year, Miles Bridges finishes seventh. I mean, I thought he was going to finish, like, third for a long time. Oh, wow. And then he finished seventh at the end of the season. I'm surprised to see him finish this low. Where are you on your surprise level to see where Miles Bridges uh, finished at the end of the season? Uh, no, it's, yeah. So it's John Moran, Jonte Murray, Darius Garland, Jordan Poole, Desmond Bain, Tyrese Maxey, then Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges is the last player in uh, that line of players to get first place votes. He got three. Now we don't know who those are. Those Full ballots will be released after they announce all of the end-of-season awards, so we'll find out who uh, voted Miles Bridges, the three people that voted him first place. Uh, under him, Anthony Simons, uh, Robert Williams III, Jaron Jackson Jr., Jalen Brunson, and Max Struess. Am I surprised? Not really. I mean, I, when you dig into the stats of Maxie, Bain, Poole, Garland, Murray, and Morant, they all took their game up to the same level that Miles did, in terms of like uh, really points, but like everybody else, there wasn't a, a really huge flaw in their game. They raised every part of their game. 
I just felt like Miles Bridges that the shooting efficiency and he didn't take a huge leap defensively either. He was really I think Miles Bridges was representative of the Charlotte Hornets as a whole. Took a huge jump offensively, uh, but didn't didn't really commit necessarily as much as I think he has the potential to on the defensive end. And so I think for those reasons, I'm not terribly surprised. Maxi uh, was doing amazing things. Bain, I mean, <laughs> but give me a break, John Morant, giving Desmond Bain the award. I don't know if you've seen this video. Have you seen this video of John Morant? Oh, I, I haven't. He gave it to uh, Desmond. He delivered, yeah, so they they have this video where Desmond Bain is like walking into the kitchen and he's like, oh man, what did he do? And he opens the thing and it's the award and he's telling Ja to take it back. It's a whole thing. Give me a break. This is the <laughs> dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like they gave the award to Ja. You can argue about that, but it's Ja's award. Keep the award. What are you doing? I don't like that. But uh, no, I'm not, I'm not terribly surprised here, honestly. Yeah. And, and look, I think some of this probably was, I, I just, I don't know when these ballots had to be in, maybe they had to be in before the postseason started. I, I I'm not sure when they were submitted. So somebody could correct me on that. But if any of this had taken place after even like the first couple of games of the postseason, you have to imagine that gives Jordan Poole a big boost. You have to sure. imagine that gives Tyrese Maxey a big boost where those guys are deserving to be in this conversation. They've been amazing to watch, but Jordan has been crazy. So has Tyrese Maxey. And, and like he goes for 36 in the first three quarters. And you have to imagine those guys are going to get some kind of increased voting. I, I thought Darius Garland was going to be the guy. And then Ja. It was the same argument for Giannis and Luka Doncic when they were in MVP contention and they make this leap from great player to superstar level player. MIP is so hard to gauge because I remember Kevin Artovitz talking about this and quite literally one of the arguments is, no, well, this player was worse last year. <laughs> like, And so we're trying to advocate for a player who was worse last year and the kind of jump they made in order to justify them winning an award. Oh, no, they, they sucked harder last year. They were way worse. It's It just is very weird to grasp. At the same time, I do understand why some of these guys were ahead of Miles. Still surprised to see him finish that close, more to 10 than he was at 1. Yeah, it's interesting. I think since 2012, when they gave the award to Paul George, uh, this award has gone to more perennial all-stars than it has gone to role players that had a particularly amazing year and then kind of faded away. Like if you look over, the, I'm looking at the history of the award. I mean, it's littered with sort of Scott Skiles, uh, Don McClain won in 94, <laughs> Dana Barrows, uh, Didn't Isaac he sing Austin. American Pie? I think that's what he won. Right. I didn't really play yeah, had a, just short, had a cup of coffee with Washington. Had a little stretch. <laughs> Alan Henderson did. won it in 98 for Atlanta. Daryl Armstrong, holler, shout out. Ashbrook, who's your daddy? He went to uh, Ashbrook? He went to Fayetteville State College, that's right. Yeah, yeah Daryl Armstrong went to my alma mater, Ashbrook High School. Uh, Tracy McGrady won it in 2000, 2001. But it's just what I'm saying is like before 2012, this award really was littered with a lot of Hito Turkaloos and Boris Diaz and those kind of guys. Now it's uh, Siakam, it's uh, Morant, it's McCollum, it's Butler, it's Paul George, it's Giannis. So the award has changed, uh, which really means like I think Miles Bridges would have had to make the all-star to even have a shot. And yeah. uh, he could have had he maintained that level of play that we saw like through the first 10 to 15 games. Uh, but that shooting fell off pretty dramatically. I mean, he disappeared for a stretch. And I just don't think you can win most improved player and disappear for, for a significant 
I mean, I don't know if significant, maybe that's an unfair word, but there was a stretch in the season where it was like, no, nah, it's, it's like, it's LaMelo, it's Rozier. Where's miles. Um, top three guys all made the all-star team. And then the other ones were Jordan Poole, Desmond Bain, Tyrese Maxey. So all-star appearances, as well as team success, you know, every one of those teams, yeah, I mean, except, except for DeJounte. Now I will say San Antonio did not have the greatest year, but he made the all-star team, which kind of maybe counteracted that a little no, bit. But his, his leap, I mean, Murray's leap was pretty incredible. And the fact that Murray doesn't, sh- doesn't really shoot well from three and still had that kind of production. I think it's pretty remarkable. And then Desmond Bain, what you have to understand about that, I think, honestly, I think Desmond Bain should have been higher. I don't think Josh should have given him the award. I think that just is dumb. But I think that Desmond Bain should have been higher up this list because, you know, when Ja was out for Memphis, that team should have gone to the toilet. And Desmond Bain put the team on his back and and is a reason why Memphis is where they are right now. So can can um, I just say like one of the things about NBA draft Twitter that Desmond Bain reminds me of it, it's the fact that guys are going to be afraid to draft three and D players because they feel like there's a limit on their ceiling and there's always a bigger ceiling. You know, it, it's funny three and D players might have their draft stock enhanced because you think their floor is so low, and at the same time it might be hurt because you don't feel like they can move into this player that might be able to add stuff to good defense and good three-point shooting. But Mikhail Bridges gets a monster contract because the dude's awesome. Desmond Bain is flirting with an all-star appearance. You see somebody like Cam Johnson in the sixth man of the year voting with Phoenix. You also look at Devin Vassell, who's doing some nice stuff with San Antonio. Like oh, you're seeing your these three and D types. I, I know, yeah, I did like Devin Vassell, but like these three and D guys just, they're they're here in the MIP voting. I'm just saying we, we don't have to limit them to just this little box of NBA skill set. I'll just be on record. Like, I don't like that John Morant won the award. I feel like yeah, I don't either. I, I feel like the MIP yeah. it should. I mean, you got to have that's what I'm saying. Like, other than six man, it's and then we're giving six man to Tyler Hero, who is essentially a starter. Like, at some point, like, what is the award that is going to celebrate? Uh, the glue guy, the the guy who's, you know, figuring things out for a team and doesn't get all of the glory. That's what the MVP should be. You know, John Moran should be in contention for the MVP, which he is, and, and will be in future seasons. But, like, that that's the award that John Moran needs to go for. Forget this MIP stuff. Give the MIP to a Maxi or a Bain or a Bridges if he ups his – that's the tough thing for Bridges is now you got to, you know, you got to go even – I don't know well, that there's you just enough room. Shoot. But but that all comes with shooting, right? If if you shoot thirty six percent next year already, you've improved. You know that's that's the thing. I guess, with Miles. but he's not twenty points a game. Point. You're, I don't see him taking that to like twenty six. You know, twenty five. I don't. You know, got a twenty three though. I don't know. I, I feel like you just fix the shooting to some kind of average level. That'll help, and that'll. Uh, that's going to be a big contract for Miles Bridges. Like we'll talk about Ooh. that maybe with the player capsule. It's a lot of money, and I just. I just don't you're hoping know you're hoping he you puts to together now. another MIP campaign. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You are. All right. Thanks for making lockdown Hornets your first listen every day. Uh, tomorrow we'll be discussing LaMelo ball, right? That's what's going to lead off player who make your second listen locked on NBA locked on experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get uh, your podcast. LaMelo ball tomorrow on the lockdown Hornets pod. Mm-hmm.